going, my friends? I hope you're having a good day. And uh, I was going to make a video today looking at Waco, Texas. And I probably will at some point, too. And I'll probably do it in the next couple of days because I am really interested in that. But I just started it and it was like just such a dark topic. And and that's okay sometimes. But I feel that people are... Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I wanted to take a little bit more of a positive message today. And there's been these videos that I've been wanting to watch that I have kind of stockpiled here. And as I go through life, I kind of, or as I go through my days or whatever, and I see stuff that I think I want to address later, I've been kind of keeping a folder of these downloaded videos. And these first two I haven't seen yet, but they're from a video maker that you'll recognize immediately and that I really love. And then the last two are ones that I know, but I want to kind of I don't know, maybe send a vibe today. So let's see how this goes. Wrapping your mind around your life is pretty hard because you're up to your neck in it. It's like trying to understand the ocean while learning how to swim. On most days, you're busy just keeping your head above water. So it's not easy to figure out what to do with your life and how to spend your time. There are a million distractions. Your family, friends and romantic partners, boring work, and exciting projects, video games to play, and books to read. And then there's your couch that somebody needs to lie on. It's easy to get lost. So let's take a step back and look at your life from the outside. In a nutshell. The average Kurzgesagt viewer is around 25 years old which is a pretty good time in the life of most people. The insecurities of the teenage years have begun to recede. Maybe you find yourself in a job or a long-term relationship. Maybe you've started a family or are working on an advanced degree. Maybe you're not doing any of that and still want to enjoy life, whatever that means to you. Or maybe you feel stuck and don't know where to go yet. About one in 20 people watching this video will get to live to 100. Let's assume you are one of the lucky ones, which means you had a total of 5,200 weeks of life at your disposal when you were born. You spent the first 600 weeks of your life being a kid and 400 being a teenager. During this time, you were pretty useless for society and also not very free to make your own decisions. As a payoff, you were somewhat spared from the consequences and responsibilities of adulthood. Mostly because well-meaning adults protected you by cleaning up your mess and giving you time to find yourself. This time is necessary to make you, at least in theory, a functioning human. Although most people probably don't feel like that after puberty. In any case, by the time you're 20, over 1,000 of your 5,200 weeks have passed. Depending on what you aspire to, at this point you're either working already or have entered further education. The amount of fun you can have in this phase of your life varies a lot. If you pick up a trade or need to work to support yourself or others, the serious side of life begins earlier. If you go to university, you get to push back work life a bit longer. In any case, most people start working for real in their 20s at the latest, which begins the productive or potentially grindy or soul-crushing period of your life. People tend to work until the age of 65, which means that you'll spend at least 2,000 weeks of your life with serious adult work. Hopefully in a job that makes you feel good and appreciated or that makes the world better. This is such an important thing that we'll look at work and how you can try to find a satisfying career in another video. 
This is the main block of life for most people, the time when you might have kids and travel a bit and climb the career ladder and build a house, may get divorced and fall in love again. In this phase, you transition from being young to middle-aged to old. Not old-old, but the young-old of your 60s. At 65, you've used up 3,400 of your 5,200 weeks. The last phase of your life begins. If you've managed to acquire enough wealth to retire, in theory, you're now free to do whatever you like for up to 1,800 weeks. But of course, this is not how it works for the majority of you watching this video. 19 out of 20 people will not live to 100. The average lifespan in the US is 79. In Germany, it's 81. In Japan, 84. In Brazil, it's 75. If you die at age 80, which is still not bad, you only have 780 weeks of freedom after you retire. That's roughly as many weeks of freedom as an old person as you spent as a child. Unfortunately, disease and the tiredness of age trip you up here, because with old age, the human body begins to decline sharply. For example, the vast majority of cancer-related deaths occur in people over 70. If you bet all your fun cards on being free and happy in your retirement, you might be bitterly disappointed. And all of this is still assuming things work out and you even get to grow old. You can drown in a pool at age 7, get cancer at age 32, die in a car crash at age 48. You can fall from a ladder at age 60. Every day the universe rolls a bunch of dice for every human and every day someone somewhere on this planet rolls a critical failure and their life ends that day. The older you get, the more dice are rolled for you. Usually when you swim through the ocean that is your life, you don't think about all of this too much and that's fine. Life is engaging enough by itself and the future is this undefined weird thing. But thinking about it from time to time is helpful in refocusing on what you want to do and to minimize regrets you will have when you look back. And to remind you that if you don't use your time today, you might not get a chance to use it tomorrow. Life is complicated and it's hard to make decisions between all the things and people that are important to you. This has become painfully obvious to billions of people during the coronavirus pandemic. If you respected social distancing, so many things that we took for granted were not available anymore. Traveling and public places and eating out and seeing friends and meeting new people. Spending time together became limited and precious. But actually, the time you have with the people you love is already precious. Think of your parents. As a child, you spend basically every day with them. Your time spent together begins to decline as you transition and become a teenager and fight to develop your own identity. But as teenagers, you probably still see them regularly, which changes as you enter your 20s when most people move out for university, for work, or just to be on their own. If you're making an effort to be with your parents for two full weeks each year for the rest of their lives, which covers the main holidays, birthdays, and a bit extra, you still have already spent more than 90% of the time you will ever spend with them, even if they grow pretty old. If they die earlier, or if you see them only a few days each year, this number shrinks even more. So, in all likelihood, the vast majority of time you will ever spend with your parents has passed. The same holds true for your siblings or old friends that moved to the other side of the country. You're at the tail end of the time with some of the most important people in your life. One day, you will see them for the last time. 
and it's actually the same with everything else. The concept of doing something for the last time feels eerie, like something that you should only experience when you're on death row or extremely old or something like that. But it happens all the time. Is there a hobby you've been lazy about for a long time? Maybe you still have those Warhammer minis that you wanted to paint. Did you always want to revisit that place where you had an amazing time a decade ago? Is there someone you wanted to reach out to for a long time but haven't yet? Or pick up that sport again to meet new friends? Maybe you will never do any of these things again because life gets in the way and at some point it's too late. As the global pandemic begins to wind down, we will all soon be able to be with each other again and do fun things together. It's never a bad time to reach out to a friend or a potential friend and let them know that you're looking forward to hanging out. But no matter when you're watching this, our life it's is awesome an incredible goes. gift and there are so many fun, engaging and fulfilling things to do. And you get to decide what and who matters to you. But what matters the most is that you actually make decisions from time to time. This video was based on and inspired by an article by our friend Tim Urban of Wait But Why, the best blog on the internet. Be hmm. sure to check it out to get more new perspectives on things. Also, if you want a reminder about the things we still want to do in life, with Tim's permission, we created a Kurzgesagt version of the calendar wow. of your life that lets you track how many weeks of your life you've spent already and how many you have left. You can also color in the weeks to keep track of exactly how you're spending them. If you're just looking for a visual reminder to put things in perspective, we've made a timeline of your life. It's printed in vibrant neon colors on high-quality paper and will look great as an art piece on your wall. Like all of our products, these posters were designed with love and produced with care by us here at Kurzgesagt. Getting something from our shop is the best way to support our channel while getting something beautiful in return. Because of you, we can keep making elaborate videos like the one you just watched and release them for free for everyone. Thank you so much for your support. That's an awesome graphic, because just imagine the floated space, hungry, and pizza floats out of reach. That's it's actually pretty hilarious. That was emotional. That was a great video. And when I'm playing, I'll just let them have their little ad at the end or whatever. I'm going to switch up order live here. Tutorial on how to be miserable for the rest. Here's a quick tutorial on how to be miserable for the rest of your life. Step one. Wake up whenever you want to. Don't wake up at a reasonable hour, an hour that makes you feel good about yourself. Make sure you wake up when everyone has had a head start to the day. You really want to make sure you feel like you've missed any chance to start your day off on the right foot. And when you get out of bed, don't make your bed. And don't shower. Just wear whatever you wore yesterday and head downstairs. It's important that you start the day off with little to no self-respect, feeling as grimy as possible. Step 2. Make sure your house is always a complete disaster. Your house is filled with many rooms, each with a specific purpose. You want to make sure that it's extremely difficult to accomplish those purposes. The pigsty will also help subconsciously reinforce the idea that you're a disorganized person whose life is not in order. This is an extremely important belief to have when trying to remain miserable. Step 3. Procrastinate. When the 
can obviously see this is like an ironic flip, right? They're trying to point out actually the flip of all this is the advice, as you obviously know. But it's just interesting how this video, I thought this was really artistically interestingly done. Thought dawns on you to do something productive, like clean your disgusting kitchen. Just ignore that feeling. After all, you just woke up and you have so much time later in the day to get that done. You want to get in the habit of delegating all your life's problems to the future version of yourself, who will probably have a lot more motivation and energy than you do right now. Step 4. Look busy. After you sit down to do some work, open up a Word document to help yourself feel like you're being productive. Give your document a nice title, and then immediately open up Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter just to check if you missed anything. You see, it doesn't really matter what you do. As long as you're sitting on your desk and that Word document is open, it'll help trick your conscience into thinking you're doing work, but you won't be getting any further in life. Hmm. Step five, wait for wow. opportunities. Never be proactive with finding new opportunities to grow your career or meet new people. Wait for all of that to come knocking on your door. After all, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. You'll meet the girl of your dreams one day and things will kinda just work out. You'll probably also land your dream job if you just wait long enough. Anyways, the important thing is to not take action. Don't try to figure out the most effective way to get what you want. Just wait until things work out. Step six, be default no. When a friend asks you to go out for a drink, just say no. After all, you're super busy these days and have a lot of work to do. When your boss gives you the opportunity to lead a meeting at work, try to find an excuse to slink out of it. The key here is to give everyone the impression that they should just let you do your own thing. Be so good at saying no that people just stop asking you to do anything. Step 7. Be suspicious of people. Never give people the benefit of the doubt. Believe that everyone basically just wants to take advantage of you. And because of this, you should be guarded and put up walls to protect yourself emotionally. Assume the smiles people give you are fake and that their motives are malevolent. Step 8. Never fix the things you dislike about yourself. Continue to engage in activities that make you feel subhuman and weak. Never prove to yourself that you can overcome obstacles or better yourself. Never attempt to transcend your vices or change your lifestyle for the better. Subscribe to the idea that people can't change, so you shouldn't try. Step 9. Focus on things you can't control. As often as possible, get pissed off at the traffic, the government, the pandemic. You really want to reinforce the idea that the world is messed up and there's nothing you can do about it. Focus on the shortcomings of others, the failings of your country, and the state of the economy. Maintain a constant external locus of control over all the events in your life. This will really help you feel powerless. And if you're trying to be miserable, that's perfect. Step 10. Use fear as motivation. Make the fear of negative consequence your primary motivator for everything you do. Set up deadlines that frighten you and punish yourself for failing to meet them. Use white-knuckle tactics to force yourself into productivity and remind yourself constantly that your entire life could fall apart if you don't keep your head above water. Step 11. Only do what is comfortable. Let your comfort zone be the authority on what you do and don't do. If it's not comfortable, don't do it. Avoid discomfort at all costs and participate only in activities that are familiar and effortless. Don't concern yourself with gaining fresh perspectives or novel experiences. Stay in your lane, operate in your wheelhouse. Step 12, believe you're special. Behave like you're entitled to things on the basis that you're just different than everyone else. Assume that the people that have what you want in life just don't deserve it as much as you do. 
Always regard yourself as talented, unique, one of a kind. This will really help you develop an outsider complex, which will make it difficult to open up to other people or see things from their perspective. But since you don't want to do any of that uncomfortable stuff anyways, that's perfect. Step 13. See life not as it is, but how you wish it to be. Daydream of a day where things are better. Fantasize about a life where all your problems are gone. You want to make sure you mentally escape as much as possible to distract you from the obstacles in front of you. Pour your mental energy not into fixing your problems or improving yourself, but into building up this fantasy to be as detailed as possible. Reflect daily about what you would buy if you won the lottery or became a celebrity. Constantly compare your life to this fiction and become resentful at the juxtaposition. So, if suffering is what you're after and you crave the daily strife, then you're in luck. Because if you follow this advice, you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. This video was sponsored by Audible. The audiobook I'm currently diving into is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It's been on Amazon's bestseller really? list for 23 straight weeks now, and I wanted to see what the hype was about. And sure enough, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think the Audible version is especially enjoyable because it's narrated by McConaughey himself, which really helps his lessons and tales resonate with the reader. It really feels like you're getting to know Matthew McConaughey personally, and he just seems like a cool guy to know. For those of you who don't know, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, motivation, productivity, and so much more, like original entertainment and even podcasts. Audible recently launched their newest plan, Audible Plus, and with Audible Plus, you get access to their entire Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. One of my favorite things about Audible is that if you decide to cancel your membership for whatever reason at any this point, you still keep your entire library. Of okay, so Audible, you guys have heard of it? That's it's interesting because I watched the beginning of that and I thought it was awesome and it turned out to be an awesome video. I did not realize it was Matthew McConaughey. He, he's interesting. He's pretty cool, but whatever. I just didn't know that was his book. I thought it was this content creator's uh, video essay. But that was that was a good a good point, good thought exercise, and uh, I don't really know what I'm trying to do with these videos except you know connect uh, the messages a little more at the emotional level of just like perspective, and to help me finish this out, it's only about twenty minutes, but this will probably be about. You know, a 25 minute video in general, but to help me out, finish this out, call on the one of the awesomest teams of all time, the animators at After School and then the great Graham Hancock. Let's do this one. We, uh, we live at a crossroads. There's no doubt. We all feel it. We all know it. I don't think it's the first time that mankind has stood at such a crossroads. But here we are now facing it and hopefully dealing with it. I'm going to close with a reading from the Hermetica. 
from the Hermetic texts. Hermes was the Greek version of the ancient Egyptian god Thoth. The Romans knew him as uh, Mercury. And, uh, right, so Thoth, Mercury, same. Hermes, if you hear the word Hermetic, Hermes, it's like uh, his teachings. Uh, in a dialogue, the Hermetica, many of them are dialogues between Thoth, Hermes, and various pupils of his. And in one called the Asclepius, uh, a lament is presented. And it's like a prophecy. It's a bit like the Mayan prophecy. Egypt seems to stand as a metaphor for the whole world in this. And to my mind, for the world in our time, this lament, this prophecy is speaking directly to us. So it's Hermes speaking, and he's saying to Asclepius this. Do you know, Asclepius, that Egypt is an image of heaven? Or to speak more exactly, in Egypt, all the operations of the powers which rule and work in heaven are present in the earth below. In fact, it should be said that the whole cosmos dwells in this our land, as in a sanctuary. And yet, since it is fitting that wise men should have knowledge of all events before they come to pass, you must not be left in ignorance of what I will now tell you. There will come a time when it will have been in vain that Egyptians have honored the Godhead with heartfelt piety and service, and all our holy worship will be fruitless and ineffectual. The gods will return from earth to heaven. Egypt will be forsaken, and the land which was once the home of religion will be left desolate, bereft of the presence of its deities. O oh, Egypt, Egypt, of thy religion nothing will remain but an empty tale, which thine own children in time to come will not believe. Nothing will be left but graven words, and only the stones will tell of thy piety. And in that day men will be weary of life, and they will cease to think the universe worthy of reverent wonder and worship. They will no longer love this world around us, this incomparable work of God, this glorious structure which he has built, this sum of good made up of many diverse forms, this instrument whereby the will of God operates in that which he has made, ungrudgingly favoring man's welfare, this combination and accumulation of all the manifold things that call forth the veneration, praise, and love of the beholder. Darkness will be preferred to light, and death will be thought more profitable than life. No one will raise his eyes to heaven. The pious will be deemed insane, the impious wise, the madman will be thought a brave man, and the wicked will be esteemed as good. As for the soul, and the belief that it is immortal by nature or may hope to attain to immortality, as I have taught you, all this they will mock and even persuade themselves that it is false. No word of reverence or piety, no utterance worthy of heaven will be heard or believed. And so the gods will depart from mankind, a grievous thing, and only evil angels will remain who will mingle with men and drive the poor wretches into all manner of reckless crime, into wars and robberies and frauds and all things hostile to the nature of the soul. Then will the earth tremble and the sea bear no ships 
Heaven will not support the stars in their orbits. All voices of the gods will be forced into silence. The fruits of the earth will rot. The soil will turn barren and the very air will sicken with sullen stagnation. All things will be disordered and awry. All good will disappear. This is Hermes. But when all this has befallen Asclepius, then God, the creator of all things, will look on that which has come to pass and will stop the disorder by the counterforce of his will, which is the good. He will call back to the right path those who have gone astray. He will cleanse the world of evil, washing it away with floods, burning it out with the fiercest fire and expelling it with war and pestilence. And thus he will bring back his world to its former aspect, so that the cosmos will once more be deemed worthy of worship and wondering reverence. And God, the maker and maintainer of the mighty fabric, will be adored by the men of that day with continuous songs of praise and blessing. Such is the new birth of the cosmos. It is a making again of all things good, a holy and awe-inspiring restoration of all nature, and it is wrought inside the process wow. of time by the eternal will Look at that artwork. of the Creator. Incredible. I don't know whether we're going to face some terrible global catastrophe or not. I certainly hope not. I hope it will not come down to misery and horror, awful, awful things. There's enough of that in the world already. But I do remember what all the ancient texts say. There isn't a single flood myth, there isn't a single story of the destruction of past civilizations that don't implicate humanity in the story somewhere. Our own behavior, what we do, is part of what we're bringing down on the world right now. We are, what we are, what we are manifesting in the world, that is what is coming towards us. We are the authors of this thing, and we can change the story if we want to change it. I firmly believe that. Are we looking at the traces of a forgotten episode in human history? I think so. I think that's, that's what's going on here. And because we've forgotten it, because we are a species with amnesia, because we are so much a mystery to ourselves, perhaps it's because of that that we're so lost and so troubled today, so haunted by this sense of something missing, something that we need to know uh, about ourselves. For the ancient Egyptians, the essential mystery of human existence concerned our spiritual essence, um, that we are participating in this theater of experience that we call life and the world in, in an immense endeavor aimed at the perfection uh, of the soul. I've talked with shamans uh, in the Amazon, and when I've asked them, what, what do you think is the problem with the world? What, what's the problem with the West? They say it's, it's very simple. You've severed your connection with spirit. You've cut the link, and you have to restore that link if you're going to move forward from here. You can't, you can't move forward from the place you're in if you don't restore the connection to spirit. And that seems to me the most, the most fundamental task uh, that, that all of us now, now face. Not these exterior trappings of power that have brought such horror and misery to the world. 
this is the moment of crossroads that we stand at. None of us can affect changes on a macro level. It's impossible to do so. Um, but we can make changes on a micro level. We can make changes in our own lives. We can make changes in our immediate surroundings. Changes for the better. Changes driven by love. <laughs> so overwhelming is the notion of, of, of global destruction. No, I can't stop that, but I can stop what I'm doing to contribute to it. And if we all do that, then I believe a huge change in consciousness will come and the world can move on and we can look forward to a future for our children and our children's children and once again bring this bright, beautiful, jewel garden of a planet, bring it back to the place it should be in our lives. Every soul is like a raindrop that falls into, from the sky into one vast ocean of consciousness. Most raindrops hit the surface and make a small ripple that fades away. But some ripples become waves. Thanks for watching.